0: Welcome to the La Rugby Podcast, with your hosts Derek Brissett, Stu Hardy, and Dan Murphy.
1: As you might imagine, they've had a lot to cheer about.
0: Fortunately for Austin, that Springbok not in a kit today. So All I. timed. Off to the races with support. Juicy Tala brought down just short of the ultimate destination. Oh, what a nifty touch to Palamo.
2: This run continues. Back to the try zone.
0: It's Doug Fraser. Frazier with the try. Hello, everyone, and welcome. To another episode of the LaRouge Rugby Podcast. My name is Dan Murphy, and with me always is Derek Brissett and Stu Hardy. And we are very excited because we have our first non Toronto Arrow rugby player that is joining us on the podcast today. Uh, Doug Fraser from uh, Old Glory DC and the National Men's Program with Rugby Canada is joining us today. Doug, thank you very much for joining us, man. We're really excited to have this chance to talk with you.
1: Uh, hey, fellas! Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, and uh, look forward to being your first uh, non-arrow on here. <laughs> it's, a, it's a it's a big honor. It's a big, big honor, honor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and, you, we should you. we
2: should feel special too. It's like he's the leading scorer in Old Glory DC history as well, or leading <laughs> scorer true. in Old Glory DC history too.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah I'll,
0: <laughs> go ahead. I was say, well, let's get get started with it. You know, Doug how you've been keeping busy this, this lengthy off season? Like, it seems like no one except for, you know, New Zealanders have been playing rugby for, for a while now. And, uh, you know, your experiences have been a bit different because you've been out West for big chunks of, of, of COVID. So what have you been doing to kind of keep yourself busy?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Tough not to be jealous of all our friends in the Southern hemisphere of uh, live sports going on. But, uh, other than, uh, watching the games I can watch of them mostly it was kind of nice to just have a, a life almost for for the first time in years like to just go camping and be able to go to you know if you keep in your bubble be able to see a friend's cabin here and there and, and you're still training I mean not not at the same length obviously um, but you know still getting out to gyms when we could and going out for runs when you could and and just trying to trying to stay busy keep fit in that sense. Um, so yeah, it was just more or less I just was able to have a life, see my family when I could and and whatnot. That's how I kept busy and it was it was really nice. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's it's interesting, you know. Uh, my wife and I are big uh, curling fans and a lot of curlers were kind of tweeting over the Thanksgiving weekend that like this is like the first w- weekend in like 20 30 years that like they haven't had to that they've been able to stay home and have Thanksgiving with their families because, like, yeah. you know, this is the start of their, you know, preseason, you know, as it will. So it, it's been a very, very strange landscape of, across, you know, Canadian sports.
1: Yeah, like, yeah, like I said, like it's probably been, I don't know, near ten years because when, I, like, when I was at UVIC and in university in the summers, I would. I would be firefighting for the whole summer, so I'd be in the middle of nowhere, forest firefighting, and then I'd come back to school, play rugby, do that again, and then you know, then it was CRC for a whole summer, and then once you kind of crack into the national team, there was nationals, national tours through the summer. It was, it was really nice to not like be traveling, living out of a suitcase for <laughs> for three months, and then uh, doing that all over again, right? So yeah, yeah, I can imagine other people in other sports felt the same way.
3: Well, you just mentioned earlier about uh, being a bit jealous of our friends in the Southern Hemisphere who've been able to uh, play games. Well, that, there was a game in the Southern Hemisphere across the Pacific uh, at about 11pm our time last night. And uh, in the morning across the Atlantic, there was also the Champions Cup final. Were you able to watch either of those games? And if so, uh, what were your thoughts?
1: Yeah. Uh I was able to watch both actually. They were at reasonable hours for, for us on the West Coast. Um,
0: yeah, like eight PM. That's that's like golden <laughs> yeah, yeah. time to watch sports. That's I'm Perfect. so
3: mad.
1: Yeah, we had uh yeah, the Bledslow game two was on at eight PM and then the championship final was eight eight forty five AM. So it was they were both both delightful hours. I was able to catch both. Um obviously I found the... I, I, I found the uh, Exeter r- racing game more exciting. I, I really like watching Exeter. I also love watching Finn Russell, um, but it was also just a way closer match. Um, but, you know, it was cool to see guys like Caleb Clark just just kind of ball out more or less. And just, you know, he, he kind of just sticks with what he's good with and he, and he does it really well, right? Like So it was, it was fun to watch him in, in what was his, his first start, I guess, as an All Black, so... Yeah, they're both they're both really entertaining games.
2: Yeah, I feel like if we didn't have Doug joining us, that was this would have been like forty five minutes of us just talking about that one Caleb Clark run that resulted <laughs> in um, some <laughs> try there. But unfortunately, um, yeah. not. So um, going back uh, back to you, Doug, and like, kind of like I guess your origins here. It's like how did you get started into rugby, and how did uh, you know how did that I guess journey progress into eventually uh, joining Old Glory DC?
1: Uh, yeah, well. I was just, I was a pretty active kid and, and, uh, my family's always been, or always have been very big sports fans. So they just kind of pushed me to play everything.
4: Um,
1: high school, uh, at my high school in Ladysmith rugby is very popular. Uh, and I just kind of wanted to try a new sport. I had a friend who went up there, we were in grade seven. Um, and I saw him go up and he was able to join the grade eight team. And, uh, we were always really competitive in sports, me, me and him. So, uh, I was like, well, if he can play, I can play. So I, I went up there and, and I was hooked, hooked right away. I couldn't, I just couldn't believe you're allowed to, you know, in our eyes, essentially beat up other kids on school property without getting in trouble. Right. <laughs> like that was, weird. so that was, I think it was good for a lot of kids to let out their frustrations and, uh, and not be penalized for it. Uh, by by our by our teachers or anything that should that should <laughs> be
2: like the new Rugby Canada like marketing slogan. Is no, other kids <laughs> no,
0: that should property. not be the slogan. <laughs> yeah. Come play rugby, horrible beat up idea. other kids.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess it depends how good your team is. <laughs> you <can> say, yeah, <laughs> other teams they got beat on. So I mean, no, I yeah, like I said, it was just uh, big. It was a big rugby town. Um, and like we had two grade eight teams, which was kind of crazy for a really small town to have. And it was just very popular and yeah, like I said, I was hooked right away. I just couldn't believe what you're allowed to do on property. is fun.
0: Yeah. I, um, I am from a small town as well, uh, Trenton, Ontario. Um, and the, uh, I went to the Catholic school and the Catholic school had like just enough guys to have like a starting lineup and a bench. Mm. And we would consistently play against the public school that had like, one of the best high school teams in the province that also had a, one of the best football teams in the province as well. So they got their fall training and then they had their spring rugby season. So it was just, we were constantly get creamed. And then when I went yeah. off to university and, and you know, tried out for Trent university's team, the captain at the time, uh, Graham Abbott was, um, he was from Trenton high and we like thumped a couple teams and I'm like, Oh, so this is what it's like, like actually being on a winning team. It's it's, it's interesting.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I've, I've been on quite a few pretty successful teams, uh, growing up. And then, uh, when I ended up in Austin, that was the first real time I'd ever, ever been on a real, uh, a real disappointing side. So it was, it was a, it was a good life lesson learned to go. You know, I felt pretty fortunate to be on those good teams, and then have it change over to being on no one 16 team was a, was right. a good life lesson learned. So, don't take anything for granted, more or less, for when sure. you're on good teams. <laughs>
0: um, now we kind of mentioned Caleb Clark, but who's someone else that you love to watch play rugby every time they step on the pitch? You know, it could have been someone that you watch growing up, or someone that you know is currently playing right now. But who's someone that you just love to watch play?
1: Uh, I I think my favorite, my favorite player right now is probably Finn Russell. Um, you just, he, the guy's a magician. He's like such a wild card and you never know what you're getting from him. Uh, he kind of lives and dies by that missed pass as we saw in the exit. Like in that final, yeah. the first, the first Ebo try, like everybody thinks it's fantastic. It's class. And then he, you know, in a close game with 21, 17 or whatever it was. And then he throws kind of a similar pass, He gets picked off and, uh, that's kind of all she wrote for for racing so i really like watching him uh a few years ago i pro- I really enjoyed watching uh radiki Samo when he was on the the reds there when they, they well i liked him and bo robinson a lot on that Reds team when they had quake cooper will Kenya, uh did Biwani kind of in their prime when they won uh then radiki was fun to watch just because he was so old and it just, i always found it fascinating that he was a he was a winger with the brumbies in his early 20s and now he's <laughs> kind of this 35-year-old age, <laughs> number eight playing for the Wallabies and the Reds. So, yeah, I'd say right now Finn Russell, but I enjoyed Radiki Samo there back in the day.
0: It's funny, I, I, I've never heard a commentator say that that was a stupid play in rugby you hear all the other times in other sports but like yeah. rugby commentators especially in the UK have like this like you know, poeticness about their commentating but when I heard uh, about that pass that Finn Russell through that it was a stu- one of the stupidest plays and I'm like okay we need to simmer down got, I, I think that's like the one thing like sports media
2: is kind of bad at sometimes so we'll be like we'll look at that and be like you want to call it a bad play but then on the other end of it is that's an unreal You'll read from Noel to go and uh, mm-hmm. pick that off in the first place, right? So, like, it's a uh, like it looks bad because it's the guy throws it and makes the mistake, but it's like the defender that actually is able mm-hmm. to read that and make that play and then actually set up the try for his own team. Like, from that point of view, it's a great play. It's just, yeah, it's just kind of the way you want to spin it.
4: Yeah, it's
1: just funny that like, I just found it funny that earlier in the game, it was a fantastic pass. Exactly. And, exactly. You know, and then, like, it's a complete 360 at the 70 minute mark or whatever 60 minute mark right so
4: yeah.
1: i don't know <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly well, it's, it's it's just it's did it work if it
2: worked it's fantastic if it didn't work then it's yeah. but that's all it, but it's like the ideas that's still the that is are probably there and it's probably still a good idea to do it yeah
3: so you've had a pretty interesting career so far up until this point and hopefully you can go for a few years longer um what would you say has been your proudest moment in your rugby career so far
1: Uh, I would, I would say, uh, my, my first cap, um, for Canada, uh, that, that was definitely my proudest moment. There was a lot, you know, I kind of was on the fence of if I even wanted to keep playing high level rugby, like I'll play rugby probably until I can't play anymore, but, uh, that would have just been club level. And, uh, when Kingsley came in, you know, he kind of gave me a chance and he, he brought me, um. To the U.S. for the for the first game of the ARC, and he just said, "I just want you to learn," kind of thing. Um, I was okay. I'm happy happy to just learn. And then the following week, we were playing Brazil in Langford, and uh, he gave he gave me my my first start and and. Uh, I think, I think what made it better was that it was kind of, you know, an hour, an hour from home for me. So my grandparents were able to come. My mom was there, you know, like friends from all my friends from UVic were able to come. Family was able to come. Friends from Ladysmith were able to come, you know, my high school and club coaches were there. Like it was, (laughs) it was pretty, uh, it was pretty, pretty cool. And I don't, I don't think I could have scripted it better. Plus like I was lucky enough uh, to have Phil Mack uh, give me a, give me an offload and set me up for my my first try for Canada um, as well on debut. So, you know, kind of all came together for me and it was, it was a pretty cool moment to be able to share with my family and friends.
0: So, you know, you're repping your, your old glory gear right now. And we kind of want to ask you a few questions about uh, old glory DC. You know, what, what yeah. has your experience been with the old glory team as, you know, the players and, and the staff, but also, you know, the community that, you know, for a short time you were a part of, you know, it's the shortened yeah. season really, killed a lot of the team's chances to build that especially you know old glory and rugby atl but what has your experience been so far
1: Uh yeah it's been awesome my you know you're kind of always going to be a little skeptical of uh, of an expansion team a new t- a new team in a league and and uh, not really knowing what you're what you're going to get but Uh, from the day from the day I flew in and arrived there they were they were awesome and they and uh, they continue to be like they're still very very much in touch with us and keeping us set up you know everything top down has been great and I and I think like a lot of that has to do with like you know we have two like our owners are very passionate about rugby and they're but they're also really good they're really good guys and and uh it's the same like whoever they've hired hired on whether that's uh, coaching or training staff they're all they're all really good people and and then that all filters down to the players, and you know we had a, we had a really good thing going, I think, and we have we have a really good culture down there. Um, I'm excited to get back down there um, and be with be with all my buddies again. Uh, yeah, but it's been it's been pretty great uh, from day one.
2: Yeah. And so with old glory, it's like you guys got off to a little bit of a rough start with the opening match against Nola, but then we're able to rattle off four straight victories. You had the big, the big upset against the defending champs in Seattle, then be Houston, Austin, and Atlanta before the season was unfortunately shut down. So, you know, with, kind of ending the shortened year with a four, four and one record, you're seeing a lot of players coming back for next year as well. It's like, what, what's kind of the outlook within your locker room? Like, what do you like, what are, what kind of like aspirations are you guys like leaning towards as you kind of see what you were able to do in the short season? And then also kind of like looking at what teams have been doing and during the off season.
1: Yeah. The, the start of the year. Yeah. That was a heck of a wake up call from Nola. I think that was, you know, it was a good, it, in a weird way, it was good for us to to get that shellacking and have everything, you know, be put into perspective for us and be like, this isn't going to be a walkthrough like we thought. I, I think we just thought we were better than we were, right? Um, it helped bring us together a lot more. Um, and then, you know, part of the reason why we got that that upset against Seattle was like our our fan base there is wild and they're, and they're great and our I love love our home field and. <laughs> And so, you know, kind of after that game against Seattle, we kind of realized, like, hey, if 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 we kind of stick to our game plans and don't get too far ahead of ourselves, we're we're pretty we're a pretty tough team to beat. Um, we felt like our backs could kind of score from anywhere, and and our and our forward pack, uh, yeah, like our our scrum needed like our scrum needed some work, but but in the in the loose they were they were wild. They're really good players. So we, I mean, I think, I think it'd be, I'd be wrong to say that we thought we had a chance of making a an M L R final, and I think. We still believe that we have a chance of making the MLR final next year. Um, I think the bare minimum for us is making the playoffs, and and I I think I can say that confidently that everybody in that room will probably probably think that that that's our bare minimum for next year, especially with a lot of guys resigning. So.
5: What
2: did, what did you think when you kind of saw the announcement with the, uh, the MLR restart? Because I guess, you know, having 13 teams in the league, they kind of, you know, in addition to pushing the season back to March, but they got rid of a playoff round, meaning ultimately kind of less playoff teams. Like as a player, when you're thinking like our goal next year is at the bare minimum to make the playoffs, like do you kind of look at? maybe I guess like losing out on an extra playoff round, an extra spot to make the playoffs. You just kind of like look at that as a bit of a challenge or like, how, how do you, would it like what were kind of your thoughts in just eliminating that one round of the playoffs entirely?
1: Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't think too, too much of it, just because I think our, our goal is what we really thought we could, we could win the East. If not, you know, then very much come second. So, uh, so to speak, like uh, we don't, I didn't really think too much of it in that sense. I guess um, like our goal is to win the East and then get in that way. It just, I I like, like in any sport, I think it's unfortunate that another playoff team can't get in because once you get in, like you never know what's going to happen. Right. And it just makes it a little bit more exciting. Um, But with everything going on in the world right now, I mean, if that's for for the best, then then it is what it is. Right.
3: Absolutely. Um, So you're not the only Canadian player playing for Old Glory DC. You have um, also Travis Larson, who also came um, to DC from Austin. And you also have Kieran Hearn, who's in the backs as well. So you probably have more communication with him. Um, What's it like to play with these other Canadians on the team?
1: Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, well, it, it also made for like made it really easy to figure out who you're going to live with. We kind of all talked and kind of started our own little Canadian house <laughs> down there. So uh, yeah, it was it it's great. I mean, Trav, I, I've gotten to know pretty well just from from Austin as well, and I, I think uh, me and him are. are Trav and I were both pretty relieved to get that win against Seattle. Cause it was both our first win in the MLR. Um, so we got, <laughs>
4: we got, we got, we uh, got,
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we got, you know, the boy, I think the boys were pretty happy for us as well to, to finally get one. And then, um, living with her and living with her is, is cool. He's a, he's a really good dude. Um, you know, I've, I've known him for a bit, like, ever since we were in Victoria when he was still carded with sevens. Um, I was at UVic, but he was playing for C-Dub, and, and I'd, I'd still see him around. I got to know him. But but living with him um, has been, like, he's, he's a wealth of information, that guy. Like, he's been around the block once or twice. And and it's it's kind of cool to, to be able to just bounce whatever off of him uh, whenever, I, whenever I feel, really, when I'm at home. So um, especially this year was kind of my first year playing playing on the wing and committing to that like i would start on the wing or whatever and play you know 60 minutes there but then then go back to into the centers and play 20 minutes but it was really it was really nice to have her in her at home to be able to be like well okay where should i be here or here what should i do in this scenario you know he's he's really good about that stuff and just um following him on days off was uh was good because he kind of taught me like he was at London Irish for three years, I think three or four years. So it was kind of good for him or good for me. Sorry, to, to learn how to be kind of a professional on my off days and, and whatnot. We'd, we'd spend our, uh, spend a lot of time together recovering and, and everything. So it was nice. It was nice having him around.
0: So I I have a question kind of going on the opposite side of what Stu just asked. What is it like playing against your Canadian teammates? You know, we talked about Seattle and they've got they've got a strong Canadian contingent, um, and you know, and then you got uh, some of the boys from uh, from NOLA. You know, Eric Howard and and such. What is it like playing those guys that you know that you've? Gone into arms with with the national team.
2: I love how you completely forgot to mention the Toronto Arrows in that question too. Well, we haven't no, played yeah. no, no, He hasn't played them, them, them yet. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, we didn't
1: play them
0: yet. <laughs> yeah, Eric. Yeah. Way to bring that uh, up. No,
1: ah, it, uh, it's pretty. It's pretty cool. Um, well, like most of the time, you normally only see these guys, you know, when tours roll around. So in that sense it's kind of nice to uh it's kind of see them and see them and catch up and and chat over you know how's how's new orleans how's how's seattle or whatever but i mean when it comes down to it you also want to win bragging rights so it was, it was kind of nice to get the bragging rights over jake and, and nakai and george and, and phil mack when we beat seattle and then it, it felt even sweeter because uh uh, we got the win over Atlanta, and and I love beating Keys in just about anything, <laughs> uh, just because. Of that. Well, like we have a we have a we have a strong we have a strong like to beat one another because he's an Ottawa Fenders fan and I believe It dates back quite a bit, um, so it was nice. It was nice to get the bragging rights over Keys. We beat them in the preseason as well, so he. Uh, I, I really like to. I, I can't. I'm excited to see him when camp rolls around, so I can <laughs> I can <laughs> remind him again. But yeah, it's mostly bragging rights. I'd say.
2: Ottawa Senators. I just yeah, I was gonna say I, I suddenly like Connor Keys a lot less for some reason. Yeah, I, I will like say that, yeah.
0: I will go on record and saying that the, the their jersey change is quite sharp. I really like what they mm-hmm. did with the new jerseys, but good gracious. Matt Murray might yeah. be okay. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> um, yeah, well
1: We're it, not we're
2: not gonna,
0: not gonna make this we're not gonna exclude Stu again by just going <laughs> to
4: the the hockey, hockey again. <laughs> so
3: Every little by little. Yeah, if you want to be on a Canadian podcast. It's the one on the ice, podcast. isn't it? Yes. <laughs> if you want to be on a
2: Canadian rugby podcast, you have to know. It's like a mandatory Canadian rule, Stu. You have to know now, a little bit Stu, about it. Stu,
0: do you refer to it as ice hockey or hockey? Because that always throws me off that, like, a lot of yeah. people. I mean, like,
3: so, if you were to ask any uh, Brit, um, oh, what... Um, when talking about, like, oh, yeah, there's going to be hockey and, like, GB are going for the gold medals, there's a clear and precise understanding that it's field hockey because uh, we, we're not used to the cold. Like, we'll complain <laughs> that it's cold, but not the real cold, not the real winter, you know. All right, so before
2: we get too sidetracked debating the hockey terminology here um i gotta ask you about one more of your teammates you got to play with Tende, the beast tour. you're a world cup champion um most like that was the last game that he played before joining you guys at old glory dc was the world cup final so what was that kind of experience like playing alongside just an absolute legend of the game
1: yeah it was uh it, it was crazy i uh like the, like you said the last time i watched this guy play he was, he was lifting looked in the world cup over England. So, you know, you'd kind of heard rumors that he might've, you know, that he had signed with us. And then, you know, I'll believe it when I see it was kind of (laughs) like when I see him, when I see him roll up, I'll believe that. But uh, (laughs) yeah, ever since, ever since he flew in and he was, man, he was jet lagged and, and everything else. But he, first thing he did was show up at our gym session, introduce himself and then started giving you know, he, he took all the props from rowers aside and started giving them tips, right? Like he, he was a genuinely like class, class human being really nice guy. And, and, uh, you know, it's it, people say, don't meet, like, don't meet your heroes or whatever, but this, this is probably one of the guys, if you is your hero, you're, you can afford to meet. I would say he's, he's a really good, dude. I was very fortunate. And I'll, I'll definitely be telling, telling people for a long time that I was lucky enough to play with him with for a couple of games.
4: So
0: now I've got one more question before we move on from old glory with this COVID, you know, shortened season, were there any guys that you just wish like, like, like Nanu or, or Bacero that you kind of wish that like, you would have had your chance to like go after them in, in, in a game or can you kind of just say, well, we did what we could.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, well, I think our whole, all of our team was really looking forward to uh, playing San Diego um not only because it was in San Diego so it'd be a heck of a lot warmer than <laughs> DC was at the time but uh, you know like the way the way they were rolling they were top of the table you always kind of want to get a you want to get a crack at teams like that and not to mention when they have a you know a world cup winning all black in their in their centers and he was and he was class all year too I think it would have been uh a really cool matchup to to play against them and and I would have really liked to play against my Manu just uh, personally love watching the guy over the years, over the years as well. And he's still, he's still, uh, he's still, he's still playing at a very high level. So
4: yeah. yeah, I Coast think, from MLR I, I think back we to top forward. 14.
1: <laughs> yeah. Back to Toulon. And then I don't know, who knows, maybe he's back again, but uh yeah, I think we were all looking forward to playing, playing them and uh getting a chance at playing my Manu. <laughs>
0: So we're going we're gonna to move on now, Doug. Um, and, you know, Doug reached out to us again, you know, uh, saying that he would love to come on the podcast and stuff like that. And we're kind of scratching our heads, you know, oh, we definitely got a couple of things to talk about. And then Rugby Canada gave us something to talk about. Um, they announced that they are ha- holding a high-performance men's training camp in Langford for the majority of the month. Um, now, the first question I have for you, Doug, is, you know, we've talked that, you know, the clubs are starting to get back again. And, you know, you've mentioned that the gyms have been open for a little bit in BC. Um, but, you know, after months of not playing rugby, you know, how excited are you to get back on the pitch with the guys and, and really get some like hard training in?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Incredibly excited. Uh, I think, I think just the, like the competitiveness and in, in all of us, it'll be, it'll be nice to be able to go and compete against other guys and, and uh, not necessarily for spots, I guess, because there's no tour, but just um, just to to have that competitive edge again will be really nice. And not only that, it'll be good to see all these guys. Like you haven't seen many of them since you know who knows when was whether it was a year ago or in the M L R season. So um, that that part's really exciting. Um, not so excited for for uh, opening up the lungs again, like <laughs> they, they've. I'm sure our SNCs are going to get into us about that. Um, but yeah, it's going to be pretty cool to be back in that kind of environment and feel somewhat normal-ish again.
2: Yeah. So with the roster that was kind of announced for this, it's there's a lot of MLR guys, there's 18 MLR guys, and then there's a whole bunch of guys that are coming up from the Pacific Pride or from the U-20 programs as you know, as one of those MLR guys that's, you know, been around um, what kind of advice or what are you like looking like, what advice can you give some of those specific pride guys that are still looking for those first caps and uh, looking to just improve their development to get up to the national team level?
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's tough. Like, it's funny like that you say that I, I was getting ragged on a bit by, uh, one of my buddies who played, um, who's, been capped as well Jordan Wilson Ross he was ragging on me saying he's like I think I think you might be I think you might be one of the oldest guys in this camp and I <laughs> and I gotta I was like what I'm only t- like I'm 28 years old and then I, I looked again and I was like oh geez like Pat, Pat Parfrey Pat Parfrey's the oldest guy there and he's a year older than me and then I think Jake's a couple months Jake Elnicki's a couple months old me so um it'll be pretty funny I mean I like I said I only have four caps so I'm still I'm still learning quite a bit as well but I would just, I I probably pass on a lot of stuff that you know guys like Ray Barkwell or or Kieran Hearn were able to tell me is just kind of you're always keeping your head down, to make sure make sure you're working as hard as you possibly can. You don't know who's watching, and and you always want to do extras. And I think one of the good things about um, that I've learned at Old Glory and with Canada is that if you ever need help or somebody's asking for help, like it's always easy to find somebody who's gonna going to help you. Nobody ever says no. And, and, and that's the best way to get better right? is to do extras and ask questions. And um, that, that's the best advice I can give. I mean, I'm still doing it and I like to follow that, <laughs> that advice. So that's probably what I'd give to younger guys if, uh, if they were to ask me.
3: So you've been with, um, training camps with Canada before. Can you give us an example of what these camps typically look like or what would be the, um, planning of a day at one of these camps?
1: Yeah, like well, I mean, as as, things are, as long as things aren't that different due to COVID, I would right. I would imagine if they're if they the same as normal, uh, you know, usually you're you're kind of up not not too early at like a relatively uh, decent hour and you have breakfast or whatever, and then it starts you start your day off usually in the gym, um, and then and then you'll have kind of a shorter more just kind of skill-based session so like the forwards will kind of do whether that's their lifting or some scrummaging or whatever but it's just a short a short on-field session for them and then the backs you know will do you know ball handling and maybe and walk through kind of our set piece plays um, nothing too crazy and then and then normally you know you'll have lunch um, and then you'll have meetings and kind of you know whiteboard go over what you want to get through this session, whether that's your set pieces or counterattacks or whatever, kind of draw up essentially what you want to produce on the field later in the afternoon. And then that, <clears throat> that afternoon sessions, usually your are bigger, um, your bigger session, a lot of running, a lot of meters. Um, you, and then that's usually where the contact will be. If you're doing a contact session, it'll be in that afternoon, that afternoon session. And then after, after the, the, the session's technically done, there'll be, the guys who are a bit more out of shape they'll have their their extras for for cardio and and doing all that but usually everybody stays you know kind of 10-15 minutes after anyways you know the kickers work on their goal kicking or their or or whatnot and then the centers are working on their passing and wingers on high balls and and nines on box kicks you know that's kind of when you get in those those skills specific to your position uh 10-15 minutes after each each uh afternoon session and then that then you have dinner and that's kind of recovery in the evening, put, put the pups up. So
2: like with that, as you kind of mentioned earlier, covid 19s kind of wreaked havoc on the sports world here. So there's not really any games that are coming up on the calendar um, for the Canadian men's national team. So it's like when, when you look at it for yourself, like what are your like, say your personal goals or even like the team goals for having a camp like this? And now how do you, what do you think those would be?
1: Yeah, well, I, I would imagine it's, well, for them, like I would imagine for the coaching staff, it's them trying to get a look at, at these younger guys and trying to see, you know, for planning for the next World Cup and, and getting all of that. I mean, as a player, I'm going to just kind of try and, you know get back get back in that kind of environment and get my hand you know I've been training a bit out here and, and being able to to get my hand on the ball a bit uh, but it, it's just it's not the same as playing at that high level with uh, you know other guys at that kind of level and, and at that speed so it'll be nice to kind of to get back into that sense because when you look at it preseason for all the MLR guys is is right around the corner right so um, this is, a. it came at a very fortunate, like a fortunate time for us to be able to, you know, get open our lungs back up and, and get used to that high performance environment.
3: So we've got a number of young guys, and I use that in quotations, Mark, it's still only 28. Um, are coming from the Pacific pride and we know we briefly uh, touched up upon this. Um, but do you feel, Uh, motivated with some of these guys coming in from the Pacific pride, following in like the similar footsteps that you've taken in the sense of these are guys coming into the national squad, maybe in a year or a few years, they could be playing in MLR and they'll be playing for Canada as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think, I think anytime you go to, or anytime you're fortunate enough to be invited to a camp like this, you, you go in pretty motivated, you know, it's, it's also like you said, there there are these younger guys, right? So you you know the the pride in you doesn't want to let all these younger guys kinda of beat up on you. So you so, so you, you kinda of <laughs> wanna hold your own and say like, hey, I'm not I'm not that old yet, you know, which which I don't feel that old yet. You know? So <laughs> yeah, I, I mean yeah, it'll be it'll be definitely interesting and very different for me. It'd be a very different experience than I've ever had uh there before.
0: So um you know we're gonna we're gonna move on now because uh one of the big reasons that we wanted uh, Doug on is because, you know, he's been you've been very vocal about your support to, um, you know, movements like Black Lives Black Lives Matter, and um, in fact, you were named to uh, Rugby Canada's uh, Black Indigenous and People of Color uh, Working Group. Um, And we wanted to take the opportunity to speak to you and, you know, you know, we're three, you know, white males, so we don't have as much experience in this and we didn't want to do the movement, any, you know, any injustice by not having someone like you who's been vocal in the community talking about this. So my first question to you, uh, Doug, is, you know, as a member of this committee, what do you want to see accomplished for rugby players and and fans in Canada?
1: yeah I think uh you know the end one the the main end goals would just be making sure that you know environments uh for 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 bipoc athletes and and fans and and everyone in general really is just is these environments need to be comfortable for everyone and there sh- there should never be you know a question about uh how should we you know um, go about like a punishment for something that that is definitely offside. Uh, Like we pretty much just want to get to the point where everybody's viewed equally and and feels comfortable in their own skin and in what they're doing, you know, and having everybody view each other as as being the
4: same.
2: Have you guys like met, I know obviously COVID-19 might be, putting a bit of wrench in things, but even like over like Zoom calls and stuff. It's like, have you had like a lot of discussions as a collective group yet? Or is like are any of the the things that the BIPOC group might be looking to implement um will that, that still take time or is like the wheels already in motion to get some of those changes happening within Rugby Canada?
1: Yeah. Yeah. We've been we've been, you know, obviously, yeah, with COVID and everything, it's all it's all on Zoom now. But yeah, we've been able to um to be able to to meet and have discussions you know for a few months now again it's the same as anything uh it 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 doesn't have happen overnight um a lot of the things that we're discussing take take time and yeah a lot of different wheels are in motion but it's more just we're trying to be able to um keep those wheels moving and, and and kind of try and get get things going still we don't want things to get left behind or forgotten you know that's kind of what what happens generally over time. I mean, a lot of these conversations, it's not the first time they've happened, but it just, it just gets forgotten or pushed aside. Right. You know, like perfect examples, you look at what Colin Kaepernick, Colin Kaepernick did in the NFL. Uh, It was a big story, you know, for, for a while there and then kind of fell, fell out of the public, public eye. Um, And now we're back, we're back at it all over again. Right. So that's kind of, that's kind of where we, come in in a sense and trying to like push, push that agenda and push these topics with, with higher ups at at RC.
0: (laughs) And, you know, we've seen some of your uh, uh, fellow athletes from rugby Canada and, and members of the BIPOC working group, you know, Pam Buesla, uh, Charity Williams and um, and Josiah Mora take more of an active approach um, with the Black Lives Matter. You know, Pam organized one of the protests in Victoria, and and Josiah and Charity were were you know spe- uh, speaking members. Um, so we are seeing some of this kind of go in motion, but I would imagine a lot of this would also kind of revolve on having rugby also being played as well
1: yeah yeah i mean a lot of the stuff that we're discussing obviously in that group is is with regards to rugby canada so um things that we can do during our games or our you know our trainings our warm-ups our media media events whatever that that's kind of where this group is talking but yeah like Pam, pam charity and joe are all doing a heck of a job um in their own right and and with not only regard to rugby but just within the community it uh, generally so uh yeah but but yeah this group is mostly based with with uh rugby caden mind and-
2: when, when you guys are kind of discussing how to approach, you know, uh, like the uh, anti-racism movement as well as, you know, protesting police brutality that we've seen um, across North America, um, where, like, have did you guys, are you guys taking a look at, say, like, what the other leagues or major sports organizations in North America have done, what they're doing well, what they're maybe not doing as well? Because um, I think I think we've kind of seen, like, a lot of kind of different responses, I think, You know, the NBA, they had uh, the Milwaukee Bucks after the shooting of Jacob Blake. The Milwaukee Bucks, um, you know, opted to um, like they, uh, I guess, strike was the word that they used. Um, So they they refused to play their game. The Orlando Magic didn't win except the forfeits. That game got postponed. And then a bunch of the other NBA games got postponed. The NHL was kind of criticized for not following suit and postponing games on that night although they did eventually postpone the games in the next couple of days um so like w- what has been your thoughts on how um the other sport leagues in north america have been handling it and what can you take from that in order to apply to the uh, rugby canada bipoc group
1: yeah I, th- I think um yeah like everybody's seen it right that's just how social media is nowadays that's the world we live in and, and it's and it's and we're fortunate enough to to be in this age where we are able to see all this and get all this information really quickly. Um, I think a lot of, I think what those leagues are doing really well is that they're allowing, you know, they're allowing players to finally kind of speak up and constantly do so without repercussion. And, and that's kind of, you know, that's kind of the same boat that we want to be in at rugby Canada. We want to be able to, to have our voices heard, um, and I think everybody would want to feel like they would want to have their voices heard without repercussion. Um, And that's unfortunately not where the world's at in, in uh, regardless, not just with sport, but just in, in everyday life. Um, But if we can get it to a point where, where that's possible, then uh, then that'd be, that'd be, that'd be nice.
0: You Know we're you know we'll plainly say this on the podcast that you know Canada is not perfect. You know, look mm-hmm. at what's happening right now in Nova Scotia and some of the you know racial injustice uh happening out there with the fisheries. But uh, you know, looking down in, in the states of where you you make your you know livelihood with Old Glory DC, does it you know, were you at any, any way as a professional athlete having to you know go down there and kind of play your part in, in some of the athletic events going down there?
1: Yeah, no, like, uh, I've never, I've never felt <laughs> too, too concerned about, uh, about that, but I could understand how, you know, like I've, I've had a different life than a lot of people. So everybody has different experiences and and I, I can say I I'm, I've been fortunate enough not to be there to be in any or very many instances where I I've felt uncomfortable. Um, so I, I, I don't feel like when we go down to the US that we have a pressure to um, to say anything really, just because uh, I think everybody's entitled to their own opinion and, and you can fight you can fight this uh, these injustices, however, you you feel is appropriate for you, right? Like, uh, I, I'm not necessarily going to take the same route as as somebody else, my neighbor, right? But as long as we can all get on the same page as uh, one another and and be fighting essentially for the same thing, whether that's outspoken or or not, then then we're doing a we're doing a pretty good job.
3: So we've seen on social media there have been um other. Uh, there's been a black rugby player like Ashton Hewitt who plays for the dragons in the pro 14 and he's been working on social media to educate fans. Um, What are some of the biggest struggles that you've seen in getting the black lives matter message across?
1: Yeah, I think, I think it just, it's, it's trying to like explain that it's not just black lives that, that is like, sure. Right now, like that, that sentence states that, but it's bigger than that. Like we're, it's about every you know indigenous people, white people, trans people, uh, any group of people that feels um, belittled. That that that's who we want to help. But right now, the most prominent one in the world and the one that's getting the most traction is is Black Lives. So I I think I think the biggest issue is having people not understand that when you say Black Lives Matter, you're also not saying that that not all lives matter. You know, I feel like that's the, the biggest misconception is when you say that is people hear it as, as uh, as you're trying to put down other lives. And, and, you know, I just, I think about when, like I refer back to Colin Kaepernick and, and when he would kneel for the anthem and, and people would say he's disrespecting, you know, so-and-so and this and that, but, but really he's just trying to stand up for, for something else. People, people kind of take, People will believe what they want to believe, and it's really hard to change a lot of a lot of people's minds when they're set in their ways, um, especially when <laughs> they were kind of taught from a young age to believe a certain a certain way.
2: Yeah, and I think I think the thing too, like with Colin Kaepernick, is you know a couple months ago, Drew Brees made his comments about how like he doesn't want to see guys kneeling because it's disrespectful to the flag, and it just kind of seems like to a certain extent like there's people that maybe like you like you said it's like there's been like those peaceful protests for a while even longer than Colin Kaepernick obviously but like Mm -hmm. there's still people that are like refusing to like believe or understand what that message actually is and that like it's Mm -hmm. not necessarily about the flag but it's about like you know the systemic racism and the police brutality
1: yeah yeah like like I said it's just you know it's been going on for so long it's so it's such a it's such a dated issue that it's, it's hard to flush out when, when it's been around so long. And like you said, systemic racism has been around for a really long time. And once, once that's set in stone, people are pretty, a lot of people are pretty set in their way. So it's pretty hard to change their minds. You know, there's the can't teach an old dog new tricks is, is an adage for a reason. Right. So, I mean, that's not to say people shouldn't try to, to change or try and help people change, but, but it sure, it sure is hard. And, and like, that's what, that's what we've seen. <laughs>
2: Now, as as a player in Major League Rugby, um, you know we, we. you know we see like all the other sport teams that, um across the leagues and stuff made a bunch like a bunch of statements condemning um systemic racism or police brutality was, everybody kind of worded it a little bit differently but like a lot of the teams across the major fo- the four major leagues did um as well as many M- mlr teams your team old glory dc has probably been one of the more vocal ones um even mm-hmm. tweeting at trump directly especially when he <laughs> made direct reference to the flag being called old glory And what that flag would stand for um so what what do you want to see major league rugby and their teams do in regards to the issues surrounding um systemic racism
1: yeah i think um i think what a lot of teams are doing or have done already um in speaking out about it is is a good start uh yeah again like i said that's why i love I love old glory and I, I think they did a really good job. Pop down is, is because they are kind of one of the leaders in MLR and on speaking on these matters, um, both, both with BIPOC and, and trans issues in rugby as well. So, you know, um, I'm proud to be a part of a, a team and a culture that, that supports that. Um, like I said, I think, if the MLR is able to allow players, if they if they so choose, to to speak out on the issues and discuss them and and do whatever they they feel like uh, for the anthem or during games or whatever without repercussion, then I, I think I think that's a good thing. And if they can follow in the same footsteps as other as other leagues have um, when discussing this issue, then uh, then I think we're in a good spot.
0: Well, Doug, we really appreciate everything that you've uh, sat down and talked about us with. I know we kind of ended on a little bit more serious note, but these these discussions are important for rugby to grow and, you know, and, and to develop and to be the sport that we all wanted to see. So uh, we really appreciate the time that you took out of your day, you know, getting ready for the camp in a few weeks. And uh, we hope that you enjoy it and you have a great time. And, you know, soon we'll be seeing you in either – either a blue Jersey with old glory or, or a red run with, with rugby Canada.
1: Yeah. Hey, th- thanks again for having me. Uh, I really appreciate it fellas.
0: Well guys, once again, we want to say thank you to uh, Doug for joining us. Um, you know, Doug Fraser of uh, old glory DC and rugby Canada's, uh, national men's team just recently joined us. And, um, You know, an important conversation, you know, we we had with him um, and we want everyone to kind of know if if you're not aware of what's been going on with, uh, you know, the biopic. Uh, workers group that rugby Canada started, and also just kind of things that they're fighting for. Please educate yourself. Look into what they're doing. Uh, even in in the the press release, it gives you places to kind of go and talk and you know look more into what some of these athletes are doing. Um, so f- please educate yourself because this stuff is important. It's important for rugby to grow. So we want to make sure that uh, we're doing as small of a part as we can to make sure that. The platform is given to everybody. Now, uh, gentlemen, we mentioned it with with Doug and we talked to him a little bit about it. But um, Rugby Canada has announced that they're having this high performance men's training camp um, from November 9th to the 29th in in Langford. And they also announced that um, two of Langford's academy-based programs have resumed training at the national training center. Um, and so they're currently being run right now. Um, we're going to start with, with the high performance training camp. Um, I want to get your guys thoughts about it. Cause it's a real mix of guys. You know, there's, there are names that I'm not happy to not see on the list. You know, I think that not having Andrew Ferguson on this list is very shocking. Um, I think that, you know, he deserves to have a spot here, but I want to see what your guys thoughts are about, you know, who who was asked to come and, and what your expectations are from this camp
2: Yeah I think it's uh obviously it's an interesting camp I mean I think
0: um I think the
2: big the big goal of this is obviously get some guys back on the pitch like um we know like you know the the Arrows were were trying to get a couple exhibition games off the ground but the, does um those aren't happening and you know it's ultimately if you're kind of looking at from the arrows perspective, because they've sent 11 players to this camp, it's like any guys playing games or playing some sort of competitiveness. Cause it's going to be about a year before, you know, they get a chance to play the first real game. And I think if you're Kingsley Jones and you're kind of looking at all the other guys on the, on the team, on the Canadian squad as well, you're like, yeah, like, there, there's obviously going to be no test rugby for Canada in 2020 and the next test match could be the ARC in next August, um, provided that everything and actually kind of, act- provided we can actually play and, you know, who knows what will actually happen by that point in time but I think one of the things that I kind of look at this this roster and stuff, one, I think it's kind of difficult to criticize selections and stuff um especially since we don't fully know who's available and who's not because there's obviously you know certain guys aren't in canada or even like we have a there's a bunch of guys going to the world 10 series um a lot of those teams still haven't had their full rosters announced yet but from kind of what we do know um there's been like bailey howard dth not like there's there's been a decent chunk of guys that have been somewhat announced to at least be participating in that. Um, and
0: um, so it's like I, I think it kind of makes it tough. All right, so- I, I will hold back my anger until after the World 10 series rosters are announced. And we'll see. if Ferguson is not announced on one of those teams, then I'm going to go back to being a little grumpy. Is that fair, Derek? Yeah, I I guess so. Like, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what it is. I think, like,
2: the scrum half stole in uh, Gallagher, uh, Stewart, and um, Higgins. Higgins is super interesting, man, because, like, you know, obviously he's – I mean, obviously Gallagher, Stewart, are two up-and-coming prospects Mm -hmm. uh, that we'll be really excited to see uh, continue their development. But to me, like, Higgins is – Higgins might be the most intriguing player at this camp because it's, like – yeah, you know, like he's been in Ireland his entire career up until this point. He's, you know, qualifies as a Canadian citizen and therefore can be Canadian eligible. Um, so that is a very intriguing player, I think, because it's like, well, you know, like you said, if Ferguson's not here. McKenzie's not at this camp. Um, right. Like who's going to be the scrum half at the next world cup. Who's going to be the scrum half looking forward. Um, and you know, it might be, it might, it might end up being Higgins. It might be Stewart. It might be Gallagher. Um, it might be somebody else entirely that we haven't seen yet. Um, there's, there's a lot that can happen between now and then. And, um, but like, I think, I think that's the interesting thing about this is, is like, I think the way that this squad is set up, there's 18 MLR players. Um, and then there's, a, you know, there's 18 MLR players. There's seven guys from the seven squad um, who have played various levels and times at uh, as a professional. And then you have a bunch of guys from Pacific pride and from UBC as well. Um, so there's a lot of, like, I think it's an in- interesting opportunity to look at say the, you know, measure some of these younger players against some of the guys that are on the national team, but you also have like not, you just also didn't overwhelm the squad or the camp with too many guys that are already kind of established, obviously overseas players, obviously guys that aren't physically in Canada can't come, but so it's like I think it'll be a good like a good just in general like an opportunity to see how a lot of these up and coming players can stack up to some of the the MLR guys or even guys like Frazier and Heaton um, who are going to be you know who could be the like the stars of the next World Cup team as well or they'll be the vets anyways
3: well for me going through the list um, obviously there are only 30 places available so certain names aren't going to make the list as um Doug mentioned in the interview, he's one of the second oldest, the oldest being Pat Parfray. Um But another player who's 28 and a big Canadian name that wasn't on the list that I thought definitely would be is uh, Jeff Hassler. And now uh, Hassler's already been to two World Cups and it would be the case that by uh, 2023, he would be um, in his early 30s probably approaching 32 and you know maybe that's not um, the way to be looking at your wingers I mean um, obviously we have like the exception to the rule like DTH who was in his 30s when he played last year but um, you know this and I've harked on about it every single time and I'll hark on about it again you need to have the young boys getting their time in the international spotlight so that they're going to be the guys that you have tested and are ready come the next not only the next World Cup but the World Cup after that which hopefully could be in the US and Canada but you know we'll we'll, we'll get to that later Um, but it's planning ahead you have to have the young guys in and or it may be a case that I'm wrong and uh, Jeff Hassard, you know off sailing in the pacific ocean yeah,
0: we to, we've had this discussion yeah. this is like jeff Al's just yeah. kind of a wild card in terms of where he is he's a little mobile so we never really know but but that like but that's the thing though
2: it's like for for anybody to be like so I, like i don't i don't really want to like look at this and be like let's criticize selections because it's like
0: yeah like you know where where are some guys Listen, that sent there um, I uh, know where my I know where my gripe is he's in Ontario I've seen him yeah. training
2: no and and I mean that's fine but I think also too like you look at this and what we kind of have pointed out on this is like th- this squad so 36 man roster here there are the average age of this of the camp is going to be 24 years old. Mm-hmm. There are only of the 36 players, there's only four guys that will be over 30 by the time the next World Cup rolls around in 2023, who are Jake Illinicki, uh Matt Heaton, Doug Frazier, and Pat Parfrey. Like that's it. Like this is clearly right. and with the amount of Pacific pride guys, or even like, I mean, and there's, there's a lot of guys that are Pacific pride, but even like some of the arrows, like you have Siaki Vikilani um, and like Adrian Wadden, like you have like super young Toronto arrows too, Tyler Rowland, Tyler Rowland, um, Quinn Nawadi, um, which, I mean, that's going to be great to see him with the men's national 15s team as well. Um, And, like there's there's a lot of players that are going to this camp that are like yeah this is like your first shot this is your first look at the men's national 15s team and i think with with the way it was selected like i wouldn't honestly like i don't even think i would it's not that like i mean if you were gonna have like you can have like a 46 man thing and be like yeah we're gonna have matches with 23 versus 23 or something but um I think if you kind of unless you were to kind of do that with the squad, I'm fine with it being mostly young guys. And even like the established pros, like the guys like, you know, guys like Quatrin or Keith or Rumball or Sears Duru. um, Like they're they're still like those guys that are on like the younger, the younger end of the national team. Um, And I mean like yeah like i mean i don't i don't think this is a camp like i mean obviously we saw that dth looks like he's heading to um and he like has retired and stuff and even like kyle bailey um they're all headed to the uh the 10 series from the looks of it so like i don't think i need to see those guys at this camp anyways Like i think i want to as Stu said it's like we got to get some of the some of these younger players like um uh, like yeah like it'll be interesting like the the competition at scrum half like we said it's like yeah it's crosby stewart to, can show that it's like, yeah, man, hey, World Cup, it's like, look no further, except Will Priscillier is in France, so he can't be here, but <laughs> after him, look no further, um, right? Like, you can kind of maybe start staking your claim or at least seeing how you stack up to, like, some of these other guys or, you know, seeing what what you kind of have to do and even being, like, giving even guys like Roland, like, um, like you know, give him a chance to, like, scrum against, like, Sears Duru and Il nikki again, right, which obviously, you know, he's played in MLR, so he's done it, but, like, um, get those guys, get those younger <laughs> players sometimes.
0: Scrubbed against those guys already. Yeah, exactly.
2: But you you have a bunch of other players too, like um like even, oh for sure um, like uh Olet, who's coming over from Laval football or whatever, right? It's like let's let's see, like he's gonna be um the crossover athlete at this. So um and I mean like the Laval Rouge, or probably arguably the best football team in the country that's not in the CFL. Um, so I mean I think if you if you take like, this is a good chance to be like, all right, like, let's, let's see what he can do against, you know, if he's going to have to be in a scrum against like an MLR player, guy like Sears Duru, guy like Keith, um, even a player like Roland. Like, let's just see where you're at and stuff on the development and see how this right. figure out. Right. Um, and it's like, you know in a normal year maybe you don't give a crop like a crossover athlete maybe he doesn't get that immediate shot to come and train with a bunch of the the senior national 15s guys maybe he has to do you know go through a little bit of a different route to uh, work his way up to getting a spot on this camp with the um, with uh, you know Kingsley Jones and the Canadian national team and I think that's another thing too in mentioning the coaching staff um, like the Toronto arrows are sending four members of their staff and carpenter Smith um, um in lozada like there's and uh mark winneker as well like so they're like they're sending the aero staff are going there so that's a big development opportunity for them too right where they like they can you know they can work with the uh the national team and they can you know they get you know, they can, you know, try like their techniques or how they run a practice or how they analyze data from that practice. And they can bounce ideas off Kingsley Jones, Jamie Cudmore, Phil Mack as well. Um, so I, th- I think that's what I want to see out of the camp is I, like, I like the idea of seeing some of the younger guys get, you know, chances to play. And I mean, even the sevens players, um, like, you know, there's some like Brock Webster playing sevens right now, but like, like we said, it's like that like there's not a whole lot of fly halves in Canada. So like he, you know, beyond like Will Kelly, like Will Kelly, Brock Webster right now might be the two best fly half
0: options for the world cup. Right. So it's like, I think it's, it's important to get, see what they can do in a 15th environment. Same thing with Cooper Coates, who also is a, is a fly half when he plays 15th.
4: Um,
0: Derek, I just want to be crusty and grumpy. That is that is what I'm trying to establish you, you on, are this, very, on this you are podcast. Very
2: grumpy. You are very grumpy. That is what
0: I'm trying to establish, just as these young men are trying to establish themselves with the 15s program. Hmm. So cut me some slack here but I, I it's it's gonna be very interesting to see um, what this camp looks like in a perfect world and you know it it, it involve either rugby can or the arrows uh, absorbing some of the, the payments but it'd be really cool to see if they could have a match between the arrows in the in this academy or this this cool. this training camp like I think. I think like looking at it it's like looking at the
2: squads and stuff you have enough guys to do an inter squad like there's 36 players right so it's like you have yeah like I think in looking at you can do like an inter squad game of some sort I would assume it's going to be part of this like I think I think you kind of look at the way um and I, I mean There's probably better examples, but just because I saw it last weekend, um, it's (laughs) on the top of my head. But I mean, like Rugby ATL has been doing their like Pathway 404 Silver versus Black games. Yes. And it's like they kind of have like a starting 15 for Black, a starting 15 for Silver. And then it's like – I think it was like eight guys or something for the bench and they just kind of went to both teams and like guys are literally like changing jerseys and stuff it's a practice ultimately at the end of the day but it's a very competitive practice Um, so I I think you could definitely do something like that like play like a because you have enough players at every position to go 15 on 15 and then maybe you just take the, uh, the remaining six guys and you can like slot them in as subs where you see fit um and even if you want to see how a combination works you can have guys swap jerseys in the middle of a game too um just because it's a ultimately it is a practice if they do that though i hope they film it because that would be fun to watch for sure, I am dying for some Canadian film, rugby. Film everything, rugby Canada. Just give me, Please. give me a live stream of um, camp because I need, I need something, I need something to watch. Um, there's, <laughs> I, I just want to see Canadian players playing rugby. Give, give me. Something. All right, Derek, you're sounding a little desperate now.
0: Uh, I am. You know what? I am.
2: We- I am. When was the last time you watched Team Canada play a game of rugby? It's been a while.
0: World Cup. World Cup. Uh, that typhoon prevented us from getting our last opportunity to see that. You know, we've also mentioned that, um, the two of the academy based programs, um, have resumed training. Um, the Maple Leaf Academy is a next gen program, um, that is going to be, uh, supporting seven, uh, uh, female players who want to be part of the seventh team and compete at the Olympic games and on the world's C- uh, seventh circuit as well. Um, so, you know, they, they've got 12 players as part of that program. Um, really, really cool um, addition to the team, uh, to the program, was Kelly Russell as the head coach. Um, you know, we've watched her play for the sevens program in the 15s. I remember her playing for the 15s in previous World Cups. So, go chase that you know, having battle. someone like that, I mean, she, yeah. You know, seeing her, uh, you know, is really going to help these young women kind of, push forward. Now, Derek, we had an interesting conversation about why this is a sevens program before we started recording. And and you kind of mentioned that it's part of Canada's approach to the Olympics.
2: Yeah, I mean like that's what it kind of seems like to me. It's like putting in the um because they didn't they like obviously there's a lot of the men's seven players that are going to the the 15 squad here. And correct me if I'm wrong then but they didn't announce like a separate sevens camp for the men's side, correct?
0: They did not. Yeah. So I mean, I think I think you kind of look at it. So some of the some of the sevens program players uh, that are younger are in the the development academy, like Thomas Asherwood and yeah. And Brock Webster is also part of this, so he's still he's training as well before the other camp. But mm. there's no like strict sevens academy as of right now, or they have announced.
2: Yeah. And, and I think, I think kind of looking, looking into that, it's like the rugby Canada women's team has a legit gold medal shot. Um, from yeah. as far as the Olympics go and from a funding point of view in Canada medals mean a lot um, so like if you, you can have a sport that you're successful in the government kind of rewards that by giving you a little bit more funding so I think I think in kind of I think that's like that's got to be some of the motivation to starting up a women's development academy and obviously a lot of the same principles are going to apply here because like Oh, like they haven't played in when was the last sevens tournament? Like March March even before that maybe? It was um, the it was the Vancouver, Vancouver sevens. sevens. That was for the men's though. When was the last women's one? It's the women's Langford like the, Sevens? The women's no the Langford, Langford didn't even happen. Yeah. So like like I mean like they've been off the pit and like that's going to be super interesting too um because obviously you know if the olympics do happen when they're supposed to next year um like that'll like that, that'll like who knows how much of a run up you're going to get to you know, kind of get yourself back uh, back on the ground. And I mean, I'm, I'm guessing kind of, like we kind of said last episode with a little bit of like some of the layoffs that happened at Rugby Canada. It's like, it's not really looking like there's going to be a whole lot of international play for any of the Canadian teams um, going forward. So it's like, I think you got to get everybody in the camp. And I think like the, like the, the women's team like has a legit gold medal shot. Like there's like, as far as, as far like yeah like it's like they can do it man like they've proven it like time and time again like um, during the actual seven series it's like you know the the biggest obstacle they have is New Zealand which you know is seems to be what stands in everybody's way of winning a gold anything in rugby um, so I think I think they kind of got to show that and I think even too like. Man, like how did uh, Ghislaine Landry, like how did she not get nominated for a player of the decade um, from the seven series? Although I kind of realized why she didn't, because she didn't win player of the year in any of the years during the decade. But then I come back to how yeah. on earth did she not win player of the year um, at least once during the decade? Um, but I think like you can kind of see like that, that recognition and stuff. And it's like, like, th- like the women's sevens team is, probably the best rugby team in canada and that's even and like and then the second best probably the women's 15s team um but um who also have a world cup to prepare for so like rugby canada like this is the the time to really heavily invest in women's rugby i think and um you know so creating this camp um you can target that gold medal for the women's sevens team and you know um, you know, we'll all cheer, cheer them on as hopefully they can deliver that. And, you know, that'll be a big boost to just Rugby Canada as a program because that's kind of the way the Canadian government works.
0: And, you know, they they were pretty clear in this that these athletes are setting their sights to the 2024 what? Summer Olympics. So, you know, they, we are or probably 2025, depending on how they yeah, handle how the, the, the whole handle delay but, but of like, it.
2: Man, like that, that's, that'll be the thing though, too. Like you need, like... Like the women's sevens team could win this and then in four years too, though there's no reason why they can't win again. Yeah. Um, like there's like they're one of the they're one of the best sevens teams in the world. Like it's um yes. like so. I mean that's that's the way like they're you know, we 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 heard like Doug Frazier talking about how like old glory is thinking like you know, they got, they, they need to win a shield or bust kind of thing. And, you know, after what they did last year, and I think like the women's team's probably in the same mindset as like, you know, if, if it's, not, we don't medal. if it's not a gold medal, it's probably a disappointment. Like it's, which, uh, you know, is, is high standards to set, but that's the standard that all team all great teams have to set at some point.
0: And, you know, with the, we're going to move on to kind of the the men's or the young men's side of this, uh, the, the national development Academy. Uh, you know, there's 36, uh, men that have been split into three training bubbles. Um, you know, a lot of uh, young talent from the U20 program, um, some guys from the sevens program. Uh, you know, Tyler Rowland and uh, Siaki Vikilani from uh, the arrows are there training. Um, so it's been very interesting to see some of the names that are coming out of this and seeping into the uh, the the high development uh, training or high performance training camp. Um, this is going to be Phil Max also for kind of first taste of coaching you know they kind of announced that he was going to be a coach before training re- restarted First so taste of coaching this team anyways that's true thank you yes uh coaching the, the he, with rugby Canada. Have an
2: MLR shield technically as a player coach so.
4: technically
0: sure yeah that's fair <laughs> um so he's yeah a good coach <laughs> yeah he's got the record to show it so it, it's going to be very very uh, interesting to see Hey, listen again like we said if you're playing an inner squad game, put that on the internet because I don't care if there's commentary. Just throw it on there, Rugby Com- Canada. I don't need commentary. I'll commentate don't myself. Commentary.
2: Yeah, I know. I wouldn't commentate it myself. I was just like, I'll, I'll watch it in silence. I'm,
0: we're we're desperate. It. But, you know, let's move on, gentlemen, because <laughs> – it's getting close to halloween and my goodness we are seeing a dead body rise from the grave um, <laughs> the la guiltini have Man, that as dark that's-, <laughs> that's what it's what, honestly that's what, what it's a like transition <laughs> i i'm myself a pat on the back because it is on point point. and you know what look at their their social media and argue with me um But uh, the L.A. Guiltini are back. They are tweeting. My goodness, they are back. And they announced that Adam Freer, um, I hope I got his uh, last name correct, um, is going to be the organization's general manager uh, for its maiden voyage. Um, And they also announced that starting November, they will be announcing their roster, which feels like it's a long time coming. But, you know, when you got teams like Seattle and Utah keeping that bar super low – you kind of get away with that kind of thing. Um,
2: Seattle and Utah at least have been doing other marketing. Even listen, like, we can, we co- can, co- we can <laughs> complain about the lack of. Although Seattle did tease a uh, a big announcement on um, October 20th.
0: Yeah, you know, that's some, I mean, whether it's, it's something's a, in the water. Kind something's of in the water. So it's either, in my opinion, it's either going to be a signings or it's going to be they're going to talk about doing what Utah's doing and talking about a new stadium so it'll be interesting I guess, we'll, I guess we'll see what it is we'll but see almost, what happens almost... but um, the big thing is Adam Freer went and had a little five minute uh, interview and so if anybody's interested in looking at it uh, go to LA Guiltini's um, at Guiltini's on Twitter, um, they posted the video, and we had Stu kind of look watch it
5: um, before. I'll probably uh, just we-
2: edit it into this episode.
5: Yeah, look, very proud to be part of the club. Uh, it's a new club, uh, and hopefully, by the time you know, three, five, ten years time, the world will know who the LA. Guiltinis are and and that's part of the magic of trying to come to Los Angeles and start something fresh and new and uh, we know what the sporting landscape is there, it's one of the most challenging um, but you would argue is the sporting capital of the world so rugby needs its place there, there's an incredible rugby community and I think our role is to bring that to life with some good fun, whether it's you know parties in the car park or good match day entertainment but also bringing the the fun with rugby and we've employed you know a couple of awesome coaches our roster's starting to build so yeah good times ahead for LA rugby yeah sure we're heading to california and in, in the city of la and we're playing as a cocktail drink. And you know, there's no qualms about that. This is a powerful brand and it's not the first time it's been done. You see Red Bull racing and fans going ballistic in the, the crowds around an energy drink being, you know, Red Bull, you got um, J- Japanese rugby's playing as cars and tractors and all sorts of things. And, you know, we're going to have some fun. And we all know Guiltini is going to be a brand that's not only going to bring the fun in, on the rugby sense, but we're going to do things differently off it. Uh, and if this is one, well, then so be it. Um, we're going to play in some pretty cool kit. Uh, we're going to, you know, have some real marquee players. But we're also going to be able to bring some US talent through, and that's the goal in this: is we want to make not just LA rugby uh, stronger, we want to make USA rugby stronger. And, and you know, everyone keeps talking about it being a sleeping giant. I don't see that at all. Their sevens program is very successful, but we want to bring it to life in the 15s, and we're going to do it. We're going to do it well. We're going to do it. We're going to have, you know, plenty of fun as well. We will have a world-class high-performance system, no question. Uh, um, we've got the best, well, I'd say the best non-signed Australian coach in the land in Darren Coleman. Highly regarded, shoot shield premiership, well-travelled, um, knows how to do things differently. And Stephen Hoyles is probably a face you've seen on TV more than in the coaching circles, but he's redefined that men's sevens program. Very, very intelligent footballer. You know, And he also brings some personality and a bit of spark to the organisation as well. And you know, not only are we just going to be coaches, we're going to be doing a lot of media. So Steve fits the really well. DC and him are really good mates and I think that's going to be important that we're off to a really good start from a culture and a dynamic point of view and with all those players that Steve has played for and coached with and been coached by it's uh, you know it's going to be easy for us to tap into that international market but the real goal is to to elevate the sport through academies and through different training programs in the US. Um, You know we're going to have some pretty cool signings coming up uh, and you know we've got some pretty good coaches as well but you know the best is yet to come.
0: Stu, what is, how do you feel about some of the things that he said? Because he kind of defended the Giltini's brand um, in his, uh, in the video. How do you feel about all this and kind of what he tried to push forward?
3: I, so I can see where he's coming from. So he compares um, Giltini with the, um, enterprise of like Red Bull, so Red Bull, and now not just known for an energy drink, they're known as like football teams or uh, Formula One team. He also mentions that um, a lot of Japanese rugby teams are named after, you know, we yeah, things we wouldn't normally associate with rugby. So I can understand where he's coming from. Uh, the The problem I have with that is that he's ignoring a lot of things to try and make that point. So, for example, all those Japanese teams that are named after tractors or whatever is because the manufacturers of those things own the team. So that's why they're named after that. Um, And then when it comes to Red Bull, it's like, yes, I can understand Red Bull over so many things. Uh, they're more synonymous, I'd say, probably with Coca-Cola than with other energy drinks because of their market reach and, um, you know, different sporting teams, musical events, um, things along those lines. But a Guiltini is a cocktail and an alcoholic one at that, and I think that's the issue a lot of people have with it. As in, you know with you know gilgroni as well that's an alcoholic beverage as well but in the marketing for gilgroni there's no allusion to an alcoholic beverage with the team so it's either their logo is um the image of texas or it's the ag of austin gilgroni for the guiltinis there's no hiding it it's a cocktail and I can understand why they're going, embracing it, which, you know, fantastic that they are. They're not shying away from it. They're not embarrassed by it. But I think there's gonna be an issue, especially if you're gonna be marketing your team to children, essentially. There's gonna be an issue that comes up and that's not even taking into account the religious groups that don't drink alcohol that wouldn't want this to be associated with them. Um, Now, the perfect way to uh, get over all of this is say on the kids kits or select kits, you can have the logo without the cocktail on it. And you know, it's removed and it's just LA and then you have the posts and you have the uh, green ball as a ball and nothing else. And you know, that would end all the problems I'd see. But then again, I'm also not working for the Guilty so it's up to them. Tough.
0: And you know what? I think that if it was like if they were called like the 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 L.A. Stouts and they were sponsored by by uh, Guinness, I'd be like, okay, there there is a profit connection that makes sense. Or or if if Gilcrest made his money in liquor, I'd be like, yeah. okay, that makes sense. He can then like. Advertise and like sell his own product. Like, for some reason, if there was a capitalist gain to the name, I would be more comfortable with it, which is a very strange for me but the the fact that he's trying to make the argument that is that all these other companies or the other teams you know have these silly names so we're going to have a, it's fine if we have a silly name it's going to be a party and stuff like that just you know we, we Derek and I and you know we've this podcast have talked about this nauseam but I just think, find that such a strange route to go I thought
2: yeah I thought I thought it was interesting that in the announcement of their new GM the, the official announcement of their GM anyways um, was that I thought it was interesting that it seemed like they kind of put that part in the video as kind of like going out of their way to defend the name. In that video, though, and I hope like, because it's like at this point complaining, I think complaining about the Guiltini's name is just kind of like beating a dead horse at this point. Um, (laughs) But it's but so what I'm kind of hoping that this does. And I mean, I, I, I think, like I said, I think I think the big thing like I to me, I like slightly I guess not that I disagree with Stu, but I think I kind of slightly verge from Stu's point. Um, is that like you can't buy a guiltini, right? Like, I think that's the big, the biggest, the biggest thing really is that it doesn't exist yet or whatever. I think is the most people's problem. Like, you like to Dan's point, if you call the team the LA Guinness, people probably are fine with it because Guinness is real and you know, people like it. rugby fans typically like Guinness. Um, but I think. The one thing that I took from this video is as much as we may, people may have complained about the name. This is the name of the team. Yeah. They're so not changing. Hope- yeah. Cause in it, he says, he says in the video, hopefully in three, five, 10 years, the world will know who the LA guiltinis are. Um, he goes, like I said, he goes out of his way to defend the fact, you know, we can, We can argue if it was a good defense or not, but he does defend the name. Um, And the website's up finally. Like, like there's finally something there and it's not, it's LA guilt. It's at it's guiltinis.com. Right. And it's the, the pink and the blue, which honestly looking at the website, like, I feel like that's the thing that has slightly been lost on guiltinis. That is a sick color combination. And I feel like yeah. those kits will probably look pretty good. Hopefully, hopefully they don't have giant numbers on the, like um, Austin's do, but um, I digress on that a little bit, but like to me, that's just everything that he's that uh Freer said in that interview um was telling me that it was trying to be and maybe a soft way of doing it, but like to me it was just this is the name of the team. Stop asking about it. <laughs> um, stop questioning. Or did he whether did or not he? It's did
0: he have change. a gun, a gun behind the camera There was a gun saying, You gotta see this?
2: <laughs> no, like I don't I don't think I don't think it's that. I this I think it's just like, like, I mean, we kind of talked, like, we've kind of talked, like, George Killebrew has publicly backed up Adam Gilchrist as an owner in the league and stuff, yeah. and I think, like, there, there's there's things to support it. It's the name of the team. Um, yeah. So, I mean, the, the interesting thing that I'm also kind of looking forward to, what I kind of think as well so frayer obviously is a former wallaby um so that continues the australian connection with coleman and hoyles um for the guillotinis um which is shouldn't surprise anybody really um but it was also that it they mentioned that um frayer like he he's you know he, he excels at, in the press release that the guillotinis put out which again is the first thing they've done since june um which is crazy. Um, he mentioned they mentioned that he's uh, like really good, at, supposedly really good at marketing, digital media, and communication. To which I say, like, okay, can we actually start like doing some of that stuff, like doing some marketing and digital and media communication work? Um, because I think I think like especially if if they came out of this and like because like I said, like the last thing the Guiltinis did was in June. Right. It was like, what it, what was it, Dan? It was like a comment on like Prince Harry and Meghan Markle living yeah. in California or something. Yeah, super, sweet, sweet. super strange. Yeah. Okay. So that was like the last thing. Right. And it's like, so now it's October. So it's like, you took all that time, not marketing your team, not doing anything on social media, not announcing any player signings. And you came back, what would that be? Five months later. And the team's still the Guiltinis. So like, the Dallas Jackals have been marketing the whole time and stuff. People don't hate their name, but they've been marketing the whole time. And I feel like if you were, if 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 you came out of, if they came out of this and the first announcement was LA's new GM is Adam Frayer. And by the way, we're also called this now that's cool, but it's like kind of looking at it. It just makes me go. And now that they're saying they're going to announce all 30 players starting November 1st, um, which is great to be nice. That would be great. But I'm just like, where have you guys been for the whole time? If if you weren't doing a name change, where have you been all summer, basically? Um, And so that's kind of what I question. Hopefully, though, because it sounds to me like they've locked in this name. And this is my opinion. I'm not, uh, this is my opinion based on what has been presented to me. I'm not saying that I know that for a fact, but. Yeah, because we saw how quickly they
0: changed the herd to the.
2: the Yeah, So based on what I'm reading into this by their announcement, I think that name is here to stay, um, whether you like it or not. And because of that though, I question where the marketing has been all summer, where the buildup has been all summer. And I hope now that they've gone back to that. And even that announcements come out a couple of days ago and they still haven't done anything. Um, But it's like, there's a website up the logo, at least as of right now, or the last time I checked before the podcast, the logo still isn't in like the top row. If you just go to the MLR website Um, at least as far as I know. Um, But like, I'm really hoping that by announcing a GM and, to me saying that you have this you're keeping the same name is like okay can we start actually marketing this team like can we start acting sure. like this team is in major league rugby um and hopefully that'll come with some player announcements starting on november 1st hopefully there's some exciting names um and then like even do something to like show like unveil your jersey do something um but like i think i think that's going to be like the one big thing and especially like hope like obviously i hope i hope every mlr team has great crowds and stuff um but like honestly like i think like provided crowds are allowed to happen in 2021 but it's like i think like if la is kind of struggles with that i feel like you and this might be like a thing that you can kind of look back on and be like where were you for the 6 months where every other team in the league is doing marketing uh, and you know even like they like they don't have like the, the breast cancer awareness gear that MLR put out on the rugby shop. There's no guiltini stuff. Um, to be fair, in that criticism, they're not the only team that was excluded or that is excluded from that. Um, but like, yeah, like it's not there. Um, the Dallas Jackals have been selling merchandise, like the guiltini's haven't, right? Like it's just things like that to question, and um, you know, they kept the name the same, so um. Yeah, like let's go start yeah. marketing your team.
0: I think my biggest thing is that when when the guild came out, it kinda they, they just marked it as fun and silly and you know, that's we're fun. gonna have fun. Yeah. That, and then fun. you know, it, from that video it just made it sound like they, they just try to make excuses for the name. And it just I think though, in
2: what you just said though, the key word in your sentence was the guild came out and marketed it. Yeah. yeah. That's 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 it though, right? Like and yeah. and they did a they
0: and and no honestly they did a silence leads to you know silence leads to uh you know you know runny mouths right so it it, that is a very good
2: point eric like i I, yeah like i just think so yeah let's get to that let's start um let's start market marketing just start actually doing it um i don't care what the name of your team is if you're going with the guiltinis cool but i want to start seeing something to show me that you're trying to build your fan base because i haven't seen that yet
0: so we're going to finish off the night guys with, uh, with a little bit of fun. Um, the world 10 series is really starting to ramp up. Um, it's, it's, uh, presence. Um, a few teams are already in Bermuda. Um, we're seeing the Ohio aviators have a bite, you know, scooter, scooter, gang that are just cruising around Bermuda. Um, it looks hotter than blazes, which is such a strange, uh, sight to see. Um, but we're going to, uh, we're gonna uh, say our favorite uh, favorite team name and logo because uh, they came up with some really creative uh, names and, and, and logos. Um, and I'm interested to see oh, how you guys. Pull them up guys, for us, Dan. I, I'm gonna pull up. them up for you guys. All right. Can you guys go. see that? Yep. All right. So, so this... I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go first because I rarely ever get to go first. Oh, okay. Um, and I've been thinking about this. So I originally from looking at them really want to go with Miami cuz i really like Miami's uh look but i have to go with nostalgia and go with the Ohio Aviators because it reminds me of the shit show that was pro rugby and it just makes me like warm inside and be like Oh, that was like the first pro team the uh, pro league that like i really followed and it was so much fun to watch and then after the season ended it was a gong show and you know what they've got a couple canadians on the squad so i'm gonna go with ohio just because it makes me laugh
3: well i like i like the look of most i think the only one i don't like the look of is the asia pacific dragons because it just looks like a b (laughs) that's true and and it it may just be me, but it kind of looks like the logo of a like German football club, more than
0: rugby sevens, or rugby tens even. Um, it looks like like a knockoff. Like someone got confused that like like they, they they didn't know the difference between like Toulouse and the All Blacks, so they put yeah. A B for All Blacks and like a Toulouse like shield. I actually
2: uh, like the logo. I think it looks <laughs> kind of cool.
3: There's always one who I wasn't.
2: It wasn't what I was gonna pick, but I do. I don't, I don't, um, I like the logo. I don't get what you guys are harping on it for.
3: I, I think I admire SX 10's simplicity, but it does just remind me of those, um, snowboarding, uh, PlayStation games that you had in uh, the mid 2000s. (laughs) Um, so my pick that and I really like the look of this, and I think it just suits it really well, is the Miami sun. I think that's a very, very beautiful design, very nice and even as well. And so, yeah, that's my choice.
2: Uh yeah, I'm um, looking at looking at kind of all the the logos and stuff, and hopefully we get to see some roster full proper rosters sometime this week. Um, in all honesty, I was gonna pick the rhinos. I think that they're from like California, and the whole reason that I was going with the rhinos is because it looks like Rocksteady from the Ninja Turtles. All right, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm no, like I'm kind of yeah. Right. I was I just that. like it's, it, it looks like Rocksteady carrying a rugby ball. Um, <laughs> so I mean that's. That was, the old, that was literally the only reason why I was like And I, I, I'm a big, I like green A lot, huge fan of the uh, Dallas Jackals color scheme, um, and they're green And they're green and rock steady playing Rugby, so um, what's not to like on that They also looked like they uh, announced on Twitter today, they signed a Canadian Ollie Knott So you have Canadians on your team Look like a Ninja Turtle character Can't go wrong
0: got to love i i went for like a little bit of like 2016 nostalgia and then like derek took the nostalgia like just cranked the wheel i went back right. to our childhoods which i appreciate cuz i i thought Whoa. that it, it was a it was a, it was a, a lately like a weird logo uh and then and then that just kind of ticked it up a couple notches in terms of okay now i like it. I, was, I was also my next one was going to be um the middle east
2: phoenix just because uh back. yeah it's that looks really like nice an too. x-men cover so um with uh yeah like the uh, it looks like the like the dark phoenix storyline from x-men so um I don't know, or maybe it's just because it's called the Dark Phoenix storyline. I have no idea. <laughs> I like things that I can vaguely tie into loose comic book references. So, Oh,
0: my goodness. Well, guys, that's going to be uh, it for tonight. Um, so, everyone, if you want to see more of our interviews that we've been doing with some um, Major League Rugby players, um, we have interviewed um, a couple guys from the Toronto Arrows, Cole Keith Andrew Ferguson and Colby Francis. Um, And we've also kind of broke down some of the big news that have been happening in North American rugby. Um, So you can find our videos on YouTube at um, LaRouge rugby. You can also go to our Facebook page and like and follow us. And uh, we have all our videos up there as well. And you'll be able to find our, um, all of our podcasts on most major podcast streaming services. So, Um, Thank you very much, everyone, for listening or watching. And hopefully uh, in a few weeks, we'll have a little bit more clarity about what's going to happen with the World Tens. Is LA going to actually announce their rosters? And when will they finally announce DTH Vandermeer?